0: Good morning. Did you hear me say that earlier? <laughs> All right. Hey, it's good to have you here. It's exciting. I just want to encourage you toward toward a few things. Uh, one, this Advent time, uh, if you're not doing anything, just to prepare your hearts for Christmas, more so than heading to Target and the mall and everywhere else you need to run. I would encourage you to take some time and look at the scriptures that prophesy and show of Jesus Christ coming. And we have our Advent devotional on our Facebook page. And so if you go to Facebook, you could see an Advent devotional there. Um, And I would encourage you to do that. But if not, just Google, go to the gospel coalition. There's plenty of places where you could find a good quality uh, Advent readings. I'm sure desiring God has something and uh, there's plenty out there. So uh, the Village Church, Matt Chandler, would be good, too. There's plenty out there. Um, Other thing, Christmas Eve Eve service, come on out. We would love to see you there. It's a time of worship, and uh, it's just great. We do it Christmas Eve Eve. And then Christmas morning, just a reminder, have your kids. We're all staying in here. It's a family service, and I'm working hard uh, to have a a message and just a a morning that will be a celebration of our Savior and uh, we'll teach the kids, we'll teach each other, and it'll be a great morning. Please, please uh, be, be there for that. And then of course John, Pastor John coming. Um, next Sunday he'll be preaching, and of course he'll be available to meet. Get to your community group meetings, get get out there, take every effort possible to uh, make yourself available to, to hear from him and to get to know him. Um, I was kind of laughing, you know, Jeff talked about the 32 question background check. That's why you put the police officer on that. Uh, You know what would happen if I did the background check? It'd go something like this. Hey, you like this guy? Yeah. Is he a good preacher? Yeah, okay, he's good. And then I'd probably start talking to them about the weather or something like that and try to, like, develop a friendship and ask them where they eat and good restaurants in Central City, Nebraska. I'm guessing they have good breakfast, right? You know, eggs and ham, ham and eggs and good bacon, but... uh, I was blessed to be with the Harz when they were in Colorado. We went on a road trip and we crossed into Nebraska. And I think I've told some of you this before. It looked exactly how I pictured it. <laughs> but we are excited. Sorry, any Nebraskaites in here? Any Huskers? If I did, I apologize. All right. No, we are excited. But I, I uh, like in in my flesh in the things like that you can choose to worry about if you choose to worry, which we don't do because it's not scriptural. But man, what a culture shock, right? I mean, Nebraska to California, let's be in prayer. And just, just things like housing, we've, we've mentioned this. But uh, if this is who God is calling to be, our teaching pastor, all the details will work out. Uh, and we just give it to God. But we choose not to work, worry about what we can't control, Right? because God is the blessed controller of all things. So be in prayer for that. All right, let's pray. Um, First, let's read our text. If you wanted to stand, um, you may. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 through through 9. Please stand together. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him let's pray gracious father be with us as we look into your word as we study it as we proclaim it father we thank you that you've given us your holy spirit to empower us and enable us to hear what you would have us to hear from your word thank you for the gift that you have given us be with us this morning be with my words it's in jesus name we pray amen so please be seated So last week, we started our journey in this text that we just read regarding slaves and masters. And if you were unable to attend last week, I I would encourage you, maybe you were gone due to illness. I know it was Thanksgiving weekend, so there's a lot of travel, whatever it might be, no big deal. But let me encourage you to pull up the video uh, online. You can find links on our webpage, on Facebook, I believe in Twitter, Um, our Twitter account will have links to this. But this is a passage where I really could have found it quite easy To say something simple like this, let's just replace slaves with employee or a worker and masters, let's just replace that with boss or leader. It sounds nice, but the problem is this, and it's not really a problem. The first rule of interpretation when we approach God's word is this, we must ask, who was this written to? What did it mean to the people who were reading this letter from Paul right then? And what we saw last week was this. One third of Rome was in slavery. And I would show you and and, and encourage you, again, go back and we'll see how slavery was different than our American sinful system. And not that this was good, but it was part of the culture that was happening. Please just go back. We don't have time to really get into that. Today, but it was telling slaves and masters which were sitting in the congregation at that time. Imagine, in there, you could be a slave and you could be worshiping your Savior, savior with your earthly master. And Paul's addressing this. And he's saying, here's how slaves, here's how masters are to conduct themselves as those who follow and obey Jesus Christ as Lord. So today we want to look at the commands given to slaves and given to masters. But then we'll take some time and develop some application for our own lives. Because we are not slaves and we do not have masters. That is not what we have here in our current culture. But I believe it is proper and you will see how life-changing this can be as we apply all of our lives to living under the lordship of Christ. In all that we say and all that we do. Verse 5-8, through eight, let's look at the instruction given to slaves slaves obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would christ not by the way of eye service as people pleasers but as servants of christ doing the will of god from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the lord and not to man Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or is free. To summarize, Paul is saying this. This is his instruction to slaves. Do your work as unto Christ. Slaves, do your work as unto Christ. Now anyone paying attention to what we just read and to what is written here would clearly see the Christ-centeredness of this passage. You can't escape it. In each of these verses, Jesus Christ is mentioned. Paul is giving Christ-centered words to slaves. And also to masters, as we'll see. Verse 5, it says this, as you would to Christ. Verse 6, as servants or slaves of Christ. Verse 7, as to the Lord. Verse 8, receive back from the Lord. Don't miss what Paul is saying. Live all your life for Jesus Christ. Christ is the center. Slaves were to obey their earthly masters. At the same time, though, they were recognizing and living in the reality that Jesus Christ is their ultimate master. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is master. Paul is calling them to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you what struck me? This struck me pretty hard. Last week and the past weeks as I studied and prepared for these messages, Paul just reminded slaves. He just reminded slaves that they've been given a magnificent gift in Jesus Christ. They've been given a gift, a life-changing gift. Paul is saying this, slave, you have an earthly master, but I'm going to tell you something better. Which, by the way, is there anything really good about having an earthly master to be in a slave? But here's what Paul says You have an earthly master, but you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of a slave hearing that and knowing that. Slave, you belong to Jesus. Paul says this elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 7 you want to turn there it's verses 20 through 24 here's what Paul says to the church in Corinth addressing slaves each one should remain in the condition in which he was called were you a slave when called do not be concerned about it but if you can gain your freedom avail yourself to the opportunity for he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord Likewise, he who is free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with the price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Slave, you are a freed man of the Lord. Slave, transfer masters. What a gift. You have Jesus, he's Lord, he is your master. Think of the difficulty that slaves had, finding meaning in slavery. How do you find meaning in slavery? How? You transfer your ultimate obedience to their new master, Jesus Christ, and you serve him. See, the boring, harsh, mundane existence of a slave now has the highest calling that anyone has ever been given. Servant of Jesus Christ. Serve your Lord and serve your Savior. Slave, glorify Christ in your work. And Paul gives the slave four ways that a slave should work and serve. And I want you to pay attention to them. First, a slave was to glorify Christ by working obediently and respectfully. A slave was to glorify Jesus Christ by working obediently and respectfully. Look at verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, as you would to Christ. Fear and trembling. Now is that the fear and trembling where you shrink back? What is No, it's a respect. It's an honor. Because of Christ, now if if Christ entered the room right now, I know that we would probably hit the deck like Isaiah. If we saw his glory, we would. But knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who Jesus is, would that be out of fear of death? Or would it be out of fear and reverence? It'd be out of reverence mixed with that moment of, whoa. Whoa. I'm unclean, as Isaiah said. But, I truly, truly believe this. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us, because Christ lives within us, that fear is no longer that fear of death. We may have it for a moment, and I believe the Spirit would kick in, and we go, wait, that's my Savior! I can stand up! I can worship! But we would have that holy reverence for God. We would have that holy reverence for Christ. Here, slave, slave, Glorify Christ by working in fear and trembling and respect and honor to your master. Remember Ephesians 5.21, we keep going back there almost every week as we're studying this, as we've been studying wives and husbands and children and parents. But look, some verse five, chapter 5, verse 21 summarizes this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Whatever we do, we do it out of reverence for Christ. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. We remember all that God has done for us through Christ. And Christ is the center of our lives. And so we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And Paul is then telling the slave, work seriously. Work respectfully and reverently because you are working unto Christ. You work for Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate master. Second, Glorify Jesus Christ by working wholeheartedly. And you see what Paul wrote, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, respect and honor, with a sincere heart. Verse six Doing the will of God from the heart. Paul gives us examples of what this looks like what this looks like. Paul says this don't be a hypocrite who only works when the boss is present in order to please men. Work brings temptations, doesn't it? Masters would be tempted to threaten a slave with punishment. A slave would be tempted to be lazy or to only work when being watched. We read this, and I think we know, when, if we're honest, we know exactly what Paul was telling the slave. And he was saying, do your work wholeheartedly. Don't live a lie. Be honest in your work. Do your work even when no one is looking. Do your work hard even if no one checks up on you. As a servant of Christ, work as a servant of Christ. When you work as a servant of Christ, you work. You do the job. Why? Because Jesus is watching. We say that to our kids, don't we? Hey, obey. Jesus is watching. Well, us, slave, work unto the Lord. We know Jesus is watching. So we do it from the heart. Now, we know what that's like, right? You ever do a job of just, eh, You get it done, but it's not from the heart. Third, glorify Jesus Christ by working willingly. Verse 7 says this, rendering service with the with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. With a good will. Good will equals good attitude. Slave, work with a good attitude. Why? You work for the Lord. Work cheerfully and serve with gladness. When working, give it your all. Put your heart in it. Now how many of you have maybe some household jobs you enjoy or maybe even love? Anyone have something that you, I mean, you you love doing? Some of you are like, no, I don't like any of it. (laughs) I understand. I completely understand. But just stick with me. The first time I ever moved out of my parents' home was about 20 years old, and I went to go work as a youth intern up in Truckee, California at a church up there. And while living out on my own for the first time, I discovered quickly what I enjoy about home life and what I don't. Now, all these jobs, we know they have to be done, right? They do. Someone has to do them. But my heart was not into laundry. At all. I did the work, but I did not do it well. Without mom watching over me, I had two piles in my room, clean and dirty. If I ran out of clothes, I'd go to the dirty pile and I'd do what any other 20, 20 year old guy would do and I'd give it the, the smell test. And if it passed, I wore it. When I did my wash, I just took the pile, transferred it and put it right on the, right on the other pile. Clean pile, dirty pile. Didn't fold it, didn't, I know some of you are horrified. Like, those of you who are like, no, you're supposed to iron your socks, come on. But that's how I did. But I also discovered something else. I love to cook. And if I have the time, and even now, today, if I get an opportunity to cook, my heart is in it. I care deeply about what I'll serve someone. I obsess, almost. Christmas, my father is blessing us with a rib roast. I get to make it. The family kind of groans. They like to eat it, but they don't like me leading up to it. Because I obsess over it. I work hard. I, my heart is in it. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to... How much salt? Kosher salt? No, don't use table salt. Get that out of here. Fresh herbs. No canned, you know, no dried herbs. Who's going to do that? That's terrible. It'll poison it, right? And so you sit there, and you, and you care, that's when your heart is in it. We put our energy, we put our soul into it. Why do you think they call it soul music? Because they cared. It came from deep within. That's how we're to work for Christ. With everything we have. With our heart, with our soul. Engaged in the glory of Jesus. Slave. This is to a slave. That's a, not a high position. In your service, be engaged. Have your game face on. Work hard. In your service, you are doing God's will, work and render service with good will as to the Lord and not to man. Think of Jesus and all he's done. And if Jesus asked you to do something, if we had the blessing of him being here and he said, run, go do this for me. Yes. I'm on it. I mean, what if he said, Ron, make me a tri-tip today. Oh yeah, we'll do that, I can do that. Well here he's saying, do your job, do your work, slave, unto me with excitement, with your heart, with your soul. It's not okay, Lord, I'll do what you've asked me to do. It's gonna be great this is awesome. That's not what it is. You know what it means to be engaged and you know what it means to not be engaged wholeheartedly. Paul is telling the slave, work willingly and wholeheartedly. And then fourth, and this is great. Glorify Jesus Christ and work with great expectation. Work with expectation And the expectation is this, blessing. Paul reminds the slave, your ultimate reward is coming. No act or no work will go unnoticed. Jesus knows and Jesus sees. Slave or free, you will receive back from the Lord. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Romans 2, 6. He will render to each one according to his works. Eternal life or wrath. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Slaves. Slaves. Glorify Jesus Christ by working respectfully, with a sincere heart, wholeheartedly, willingly, and expectantly. That is Paul's instruction to the slave. Then he moves on to masters in verse 9. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Instruction to the masters, treat your slaves as you would Jesus Christ. Paul is giving radical instruction to the masters of slaves. This is God's word. So God is giving radical instruction to masters. And first is this, It says, treat your slaves the same way. Treat them as you want to be treated. Respect. Do we want to be treated with respect? Do you want to be treated with humility and gentleness? How about patience? Isn't patience nice when someone's patient with you? You know, remember the fear of learning a new job? Maybe none of you had that, and you just were like born experts in things, but I wasn't that gifted And uh, I remember new jobs like, how do we do that again? How do we, what? And uh, Nope, and if you had someone patient teaching you, did it make all the difference in the world? Patience. Gentleness. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. Wow, isn't that something? Because we're in the same part of Scripture where it says, be filled with the Spirit. And then instructions are given to what we're to do. Masters, treat your slaves the same way. Treat your slaves as you would Jesus Christ. This is radical teaching for a master. Can you imagine a master saying, I'm going to treat my slaves as I would my Savior. Remember Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. So the instruction given Treat others as you would Christ. That's our calling. And that was the master's calling to their slaves. And then second, don't be hostile. Don't threaten. A Christian master glorifies Christ by not threatening or being overly aggressive. Again, being spirit-filled. Be a spirit-filled slave, Paul is saying. Be a spirit-filled master. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. This is the fruit of those of us who have the Holy Spirit living within them. Masters, treat your slaves as you would Christ. Don't be hostile, don't threaten. Do you know Jesus doesn't threaten us? God doesn't threaten us. We come to him in grace and mercy does he give warning yes he gives warning he says come turn repent and he gives the gospel and we go proclaim the gospel but the gospel isn't a threat it's good news go give good news not threats bring the gospel third the master is to keep Jesus Christ at the center of all things and he says, it's your master and their master is in heaven. Proverbs 22, 2. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Rich and poor are under the same accountability. All of us live with the fear of Christ. Why? The fourth reason. Because God is impartial. There is no partiality with God. So we all who breathe this air live under the same fear of Christ. Again, that's the reverence, holy fear that we have. There's no favoritism with God. There's no partiality with God. Now, Roman law, we don't have time to get into it, was full of partiality. The blessings of citizenship in the Roman culture versus a non-citizen... We're night and day. Lots of partiality. That's not how God works. The justice God executes is fair, and it's righteous, and it's given and dealt out without partiality. So you see what Paul's writing here. The distance between slave and master, it's shrunk. It was taken, what was here is now here. When you get instruction from God's Word, when God speaks and He says there's no partiality, He's taking the difference between slave and master and saying, Hey, you're just a child of God. So obey and live that way. You live under the Lordship of Christ. You work under the Lordship of Christ. And that is a radical calling. And so we're called to be different. Christ's Lordship, it changes our lives. So how, how do we bring this to us? You know what? No job and no work that we have is just work. No job or no work that we have is just work. It is one of the many ways that we are called to serve Jesus Christ. Amen, your job may stink. We talked about crummy jobs last week. Maybe you're into job. I, I hate my job. But guess what? Your job may be hard, but no one here in this room is owned by a person. No one in this room is owned by a company. No one in here is property of someone else. And here, Paul just gave instruction for those who were owned, for those who were property. And so we move this and we recognize Jesus is our master, our Lord, and our boss. We work for Christ, through Christ, and like Jesus Christ. We work for Christ, we work through Christ, and we work like Jesus Christ. We need to remember who we are, we need to remember we're alive that we've been made alive, that we've been taken from death to life, that we are people who are saved by grace, that we've been given a gift. We need to remember the Holy Spirit lives within us. We need to know that we are not alone as we live our lives, as we do our jobs. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we're not alone, Jesus Christ abides in us. He lives within us and so we do our work through him. Remember who we are, so important. Jesus is with you. Remember Joseph in Egypt? Would you call him blessed in his work and his slavery? Remember in Potiphar's house? Now, did he go through trials? Absolutely. (laughs) Big time. But in Genesis 39, four times it says this. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Can I tell you something? The Lord is with you. He is with you. He lives in you. When we work, let us work in complete dependence on the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the wind in our sails that drives us to be good workers, good employees. Some more application. Do you pray before you go to work? Do you dedicate your day to the Lord? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to empower your day? Do you pray for Scripture to be resounding within your heart as you work your job? It will change your job. When you say, you know what? This is about pleasing Christ. My day is about pleasing Christ. No matter what comes, it will change your job. Working like Christ. How did Christ work? What did Christ do? He humbled himself be humble in your jobs he took the form of a servant jesus suffered you think your job is tough stop for a second reflect on christ he left glory to come here who take that trade how many of you love hawaii Hollister or Hawaii, what are you going to choose? Some of you would probably choose Hollister. Good for you. Not me. (laughs) Hawaii. I like the warmth. I like the ocean. Let me change it. Hollister or... What's that place down in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. Dinuba or something like that. I don't know. Even know what that, I'll take your word for it. No one likes to go down, right? We want to be moving on up to the east side, right? Jesus left Earth, left Heaven to come to Earth. And Jesus suffered in his job. Tremendous suffering. He took the suffering of the cross. He was scourged for our sins and for our iniquities. He left the glory of heaven, breathed the dust of earth as we sing, and he went to the cross. You are not suffering in your job as Christ suffered for us. So we work unto Christ. When we work like Christ... We do what we're asked to do. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you and me. Would Jesus need constant supervision? Would Jesus be a slacker? Would he be unkind to coworkers? So we work for Christ. We do our best and we work as if we're, our work is doing it for Jesus. Ephesians 2.10. Paul talks about work. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do your best. Now I want to talk to those in leadership a little bit. We have those in this room. God has placed many of you, or some of you, in high positions of leadership. All this still applies Lead through Christ. And yes, it is pressure filled to be a leader in some of your positions. You have hard jobs, you make difficult decisions, sometimes instantly. Lead through Christ. Pray for wisdom. It's often thankless to be a leader. It's hard to make decisions that not, will, won't be popular. They will never be understood fully by those who you try to explain it to because there's details you just can't give due to protection and grace and mercy oftentimes to those who are involved. And you'll be questioned. Pray for wisdom. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are in leadership, Pray. Dedicate your leadership to Christ and lead like Jesus led. Christ humbled himself as a servant. Christ was a servant, but Jesus also is the ultimate master. Jesus, supreme master and supreme servant, all in one. He is Lord of all, yet in all this he led humbly. He washed feet. He came to serve He's the good shepherd, not the good dictator. So we lead as Christ led. And lead for Christ. You will give an account. You know, oftentimes when you're in leadership, the one in charge really has less accountability. Sometimes they have a ton of accountability, but oftentimes if you own a company, you're the boss and you answer to no one. Remember, you answer to Christ and you are to work as unto Christ. So wherever we're at, do you see that this instruction to slaves and this instruction to masters, it moves right into how we're to live. We live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And as we move to communion, I can't help but think and remind ourselves how good our Lord is. And so I want the men who are going to pass out to come forward. And what I want you to do is take some time just in quiet reflection. Do we have men coming? What I'd like you to do is, they're passing out, and pass out both the bread and the cup. And as we do this, reflect on Christ, and his lordship, and his goodness, his servanthood, his mercy and his grace. Reflect on this time of Advent, where Jesus came to be the savior of our sins, and to free us from bondage and slavery. So just take some time now. Reflect on Jesus. Take some time also to just examine your heart. Confession of sin is biblical. In the Gospel of Matthew, one of the areas, one of the books where we see the Lord's Supper being started and instituted, says this, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body, let's take it. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Let's partake together. What a gift, isn't it? I'm so thankful that God instituted the Lord's Supper for us where we can see and taste, hold a representation of the cross, of Christ's sacrifice for us. Let's pray together and we'll close in song. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, what an exciting time. What an exciting morning it's been. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for this time of communion that we shared together. Father, what a blessing it is to be your family, to be your children. Lord, thank you for being the ultimate servant and the ultimate master. Thank you for giving your life for us. And so, Lord, because of all you've done for us, help us to be those who submit to you in all things. Father, may we please you in our work, in our homes, in our schools. Father, pray for students that they would be diligent in their work. Father, we pray for those in leadership here. Father, give them wisdom. Give them strength. Give them discernment. Father, give them blessing. Father, may those under them respect them and honor them for the work that they do. Father, for those who work hard in jobs that maybe are difficult, Father, may they see that they are working for you. May the truth of this passage reside within us, that we are to submit to your lordship, that you are the king, you are the boss, and we want to please you in all that we do. You have given us our jobs And so we thank you for the blessings that you have given us. Be with us, Father. Let us now sing of your amazing grace and bless you and remind ourselves of your great mercy and love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.